Welcome to the First NAS Podcast. Today we join Pastor Paul in Genesis chapter 15 with a sermon about Abraham and his belief from his sermon series, Lessons from Abraham. Let's listen in as he preaches. dive into scripture for this morning. Let me just give a couple of quick housekeeping announcement pieces. Uh, One thing we haven't announced yet today is that two Sundays from now, the 27th of August, will be our annual picnic in the park. And so that'll be happening at Hell's Gate on Sunday the 27th in the evening. So we'll have our normal morning service here and then in the evening we'll go out to Hell's Gate for, for that. That is one of the two opportunities every year that I baptize folks. Uh, And so if you have accepted the Lord as your Savior and have not yet been baptized, uh, Scripture says I have to baptize you. And so let me baptize you, please. And and, uh, that will be happening in the river on that evening. We'll baptize uh, anybody who's who's made the commitment and, and is ready to be baptized. Uh, and then I wanted to just address Serve Sunday one more time. We, we have projects of all varying difficulties and ability levels. We have a project that will happen here in the church that is kind of a crafty project. The, the uh, Lewis Clark Animal Shelter has asked us to make some toys for animals, and so that crafty thing will be happening here. We have a project, we're, we're working with our neighbors here in Modi Park, and so we're going to walk through the neighborhood and give out notice about a meeting that's coming up for the Modi Park Association, and so if uh, families want to, to walk around and, and pass out flyers about that, that'd be one. And then there are, there's a small painting project, there are a lot of yard work kind of projects, and my vision, my hope, and I don't know if I can pull it off, but my vision is that we would have roving bands of First Naz gardeners just attacking projects around the valley and like descending on ugly, ugly yards for just a few minutes. And then we walk away and it's like, it's like extreme home makeover show extraordinaire has been there and, and we'll do it in, you know, just the snap of the fingers. So that's, We'll see if we can pull that off. I think we can. So be, be prepared for that. Nine o'clock over in Clarkston, and then we'll divvy up from there. There are sign-ups in the, in the lobby right now in the Welcome Center. If you, would, if you would sign up and let us know, we can give you some instructions. Uh, we need some tools, so bring some yard-type tools. We need some string trimmers, like uh, edge, or not, weed eater kind of things. Uh, and so if, if folks have those that they want to operate for the day, that would be helpful as well. And then other yard tools would be helpful. So thank you for, for your willingness to, to be flexible and do a different, different Sunday. It's one of the fun, fun Sundays we have every year. Okay, thank you. Those are my housekeeping bits. I'm ready to, to turn to Scripture now. Uh, we, we do this every week, not just out of habit, because we find wisdom from, from Scripture for living each week as we, as we turn to, to the Bible. The Bible records a few instances when Jesus was annoyed with his followers. Uh, it, it's kind of funny to think about Jesus, you, you know, uh, this picture we have of Jesus, he's so trim and perfect and never, never gets upset. But there are some points in Scripture where Jesus really does seem 
annoyed with his followers. And usually they, he gets annoyed over people not understanding his identity, not understanding who he is. In fact, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he's in the upper room with his disciples, and, and Philip asks this question, and, and he looks at Philip, and he, like you can almost read, Jesus rolled his eyes and then said, Philip, have I not been with you for so long that you don't understand who I am? Uh, he, he just gets, you know, Jesus he gets annoyed at, at times. Jesus sounds annoyed in the Sermon on the Mount when he's talking about worry. He's talking about worry and how we worry about what we're going to wear. And, and we worry so much and we, we plot and plan and, and worry if we're going to have clothes that look good and if, if we're going to look nice. And, and Jesus talks about how, how God has made the grass beautiful. Like grass is beautiful and God created it, and, and he says, if the same God that clothes the grass that's here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, if that same God uh, is clothing you, uh, aren't you going to be okay? And then he throws in this little, this little line at the end. He says, oh, you of little faith. I just, uh, you know, there's just that little bite to it. It's a little like you of little faith. The, the other time that Jesus gets a little annoyed at his, his disciples was when they woke him up from a nice nap. Uh, it, it happens in, in Matthew chapter 8. Uh, at, late at night, the disciples and Jesus had headed across the Sea of Galilee in a boat. And it's a trip that many of the disciples had made many times because they were fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. And so they, they had made this trip lots of times, and a storm came up in the middle of the night. And Jesus was, was asleep in the back of the boat, and the disciples freaked out. They were sure they were going to die. And, and so they wake Jesus up from his sleep, and, and they say, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? And, and Jesus' response is, you have little faith. You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? And then he stands up, and he tells the wind and the waves, chill out, okay? And they do. They just, they calm. It's interesting. I'm really interested in that story of Jesus being annoyed uh, because think about why Jesus is, is annoyed. It's not because they woke him up from a nap. It, it's because they don't understand that Jesus is there to, to protect them. That, that they, they don't believe that Jesus will help them. That Jesus' presence in their lives isn't, isn't enough. They, they think that Jesus needs to be up and worried with them too. And, and Jesus is, is saying, you have so little faith. You have so little faith. I'm going to take care of you. It's interesting that that's the reason that Jesus gets annoyed. So as we've been coming to Scripture through this summer, we have been looking at some of the very earliest stories that, that the Bible tells us. We're, we're looking at the life of Abraham. Abraham lived about 1,500 years before Jesus, so that's like 3,500 years ago. It's a, a long time. We're on the cusp of, of recorded history in the Western world when we look at Abraham. And Abraham's life and story, they share some foundational understandings of who God is and what God wants from people as people try to relate to God. And, and so Abraham's story, it begins when, when he is called out of familiarity. He's called out of, of the home of his parents, the, his parents' home, and he's called to a land that God would show him. 
And, and he goes into the, the land that God promises. And, and in the story today, we, he is in that land that God has promised him. And he receives a vision. And we're going to look at that vision. It's in Genesis chapter 15. And I'm going to start by just reading the first bit of that vision, the first uh, six verses. And, and I'm not going to read the rest because I'm trying to be brief, but I, you're welcome to, to finish it and make sure I'm faithful to the rest of it. Because I, I don't want to just like pluck it for my purposes, uh, but it, I think I'm being faithful, but I also want to be brief. So Genesis chapter 15, verses one through six, it goes like this. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram. His, his name is Abram in this passage. In chapter 17, God will change his name to Abraham, just for those for those who are curious. Uh, so sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Verse 4, then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. I find this passage to be really interesting. This is kind of the second time I've taken a run at it this summer, and I'm, I'm trying to take a run at it from a different angle today, but I, I'm just really interested in the way that the Lord just shows up and starts making promises to God. And the Lord shows up sort of out of nowhere. The, he has, Abraham has this vision. He wasn't seeking it. it. It doesn't seem like he just, he has a vision. The Lord shows up and the Lord says, I'm going to protect you. You are safe. Don't worry about, about your physical safety. It's taken care of. And I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you all kinds of stuff. And, and what's Abraham's response to that? Meh. Well, Lord, I don't have any descendants of my own. I don't have a son. I don't have any children. Lord, what good is that promise? He's like so whiny, right? He's so... And, you know, the Lord is really patient and kind, and I'm not. But if my children said, like, if I said, I'm going to give you a lot of money, and they said, oh, but I don't have an iPad to, to buy anything with... That I would say, okay, never mind, fend for yourself. <laughs> but the Lord, the Lord says, oh, oh, I'm sorry, poor Abraham. I'm sorry. I'll give you a child. Don't worry about it. But the, the Lord doesn't just say, I'll give you a child. The Lord, <laughs> the words of the Lord are incredible here. Go out and look at the stars. Count them if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. It's, it's, not, it's, it's like in response to Abram's whining, he gets like a million times more than he ever asked for. 
And, and the Lord is just like so incredibly kind to Abram in, in this passage. But the payoff, the payoff, the reason that it's recorded is, is in verse 6, where, where the author tells us, and Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. That's the payoff, but if you, if, if we have to understand what righteous means in order to understand the payoff, right? It's like it, that word is so churchy, it's so Bible-y, like we got to understand it. We just, uh, no, I can't, I can't tell the story of the end of the trumpeter swan. Read the last chapter of the trumpeter of the swan, and you'll, you'll hear about a word that doesn't make sense in context, but the, the, uh, it, we got to understand the word righteous to understand Genesis 15, 6. The word righteous, it, it, it has this understanding throughout scripture of being the thing that God expects from people. It is what God wants from people. And, and it is what people are. Righteous is what people are when they are fulfilling God's purpose for them. So I've told this story before from the author Ray Steadman uh, about the, the Jewish rabbi who is the small engine mechanic. I hope you've forgotten because I'm going to tell you again. The, the story of the, the Jewish rabbi who is a small engine mechanic, he takes your mower, takes your lawnmower, and he, he gets it running just perfect. It starts every time, first pull of the string. It's, it's so wonderful. It pulls easy, uh, fires right up. He, uh, he sharpens the blade so it cuts the grass just so smooth, just right like butter, you know? And he, he lubes up the wheels. He gets all of, the, all of the mechanics working so it's easy to cut straight lines and your lawn is just going to look beautiful after you use your mower, after the rabbi mechanic has, has done his, his work. And the rabbi mechanic, he gives you back your mower and he says, your mower is now righteous. It is now fulfilling the purpose for which it was created. And, and that's what righteousness is. It, it is when, when humans are righteous, people are righteous, when we fulfill the purpose for which God created us. So look at Abraham in, in Genesis uh, 15, 6 real quickly and, and see why Abraham is righteous. He's righteous because he believed the promise that God had given him. He fulfilled his purpose perfectly because he believed the promise that God had given him. And, and so, if you were just like reading from Genesis 1 and starting through the Bible, and you got to this understanding of righteousness, you would say, boy, being righteous, that's simple. It's righteousness in the Bible is really simple. Because it's, it's just, you know, believe and, and you are righteous. I'm not saying it would be easy. Belief isn't always easy. But it's simple, Right? If you, if you were just reading from page one straight through, you would get here and you would think, simple. But the Bible doesn't leave righteousness alone. 
And so we, we move forward in the Bible, and, and pretty soon we get to, to Moses in the book of Exodus. Moses brings from the top of the mountain the Ten Commandments and all of the written law. And throughout the Old Testament, we, we get all of these ceremonies to perform and rituals to experience. We get rites of passages, rites of passage to, to navigate. The Old Testament explains all this and interprets all of this and tries to apply all of this. And then 1,500 years after Abraham, Jesus comes on the scene, and, and Jesus finds righteousness has become incredibly more complex than simply believing in God. Because Jesus finds a culture in which righteousness is equated with obeying every law that was written in the Old Testament perfectly. Only when you obeyed everything perfectly were, were you righteous. And, and uh, this idea that righteousness being given because somebody believes it, is, believes in God, is really far from, from anyone's mind when Jesus begins teaching. But Jesus begins to, to go back to, to what Abraham experienced. He tries to turn the tide and, and teaches people that what God expects is belief in Jesus. What God wants is belief in Jesus. And, and so that makes sense because Jesus also said, I am God. Uh, he, he, he said, believe in me because I am, I am God. I am here to, to redeem you, to, to save you, to help you become righteous by, by believing in me. And so Jesus' followers, after, after Jesus died and was raised again, went to heaven, Jesus' followers tried to sort it out. Many of Jesus' followers were steeped in that old tradition, the, the Old Testament logic, where you had to follow all of the rules in order to, to be righteous. And one of the most steeped in the Old Testament rules was, was a man named Paul, the Apostle Paul. And Paul wrote letters to the, to the various churches that existed in his day, to help them understand what it looks like to be a Jesus follower. And one of Paul's letters written to the church at Rome become, became one of, one of the most important documents that we have as Christians. And so in, in Paul's letter to, to the church at Rome, he, he goes back to that old story of Abraham. He looks back to Abraham and he, he tries to, to point people to belief equaling righteousness. In fact, if you look in Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, the Apostle Paul wrote these words. He wrote, Abraham, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scripture tells us, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. See, Paul, Paul tries to hearken back to that, to that ancient logic he tries to go back to that early, early story, 1,500 years before him, of, of Abraham becoming righteous, being called righteous because Abraham believed. That foundational story of, of what it looks like for people to be in relationship with God. 
And, and Paul retells that early Bible story to Christians so that we can hear that, that Jesus wasn't bringing about radical change. Jesus was hearkening back to what God had always designed people to be. Jesus was trying to, to point back to what God had always intended for, for the people he created. And Paul clarifies that for so long, people thought they could earn righteousness, like, like earning your wages. You could work hard enough, and you could be righteous too. But Paul says, righteousness isn't something you can, can work to earn. It's given as a gift. God freely counts people as fully human, fully becoming who God created them to be simply because they would believe. And then he goes on a little down the page in verse 18. The Apostle Paul continues. He says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit, too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. So Paul wants to tout Abraham's record as a believer. He says, you know, even, even though he had no hope of, of believing, no hope of becoming a father, humanly speaking, uh, he was 100 years old. Sarah's 10 years younger. She was 90 years old. This is not an age at which people tend to start families. And, and he had no reason to believe it, but he believed it. He believed it because God, God said it. And, and uh, God took notice of Abraham's faith because he had faith against all odds. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. And in those last few verses I read, Paul talks about believing that God can do whatever God promises. Believing that God can do whatever God promises. And that these words are written for our benefit. These aren't just written so, so that Abraham's legacy lives on, right? These, these aren't recorded in Scripture just so that the, the, the Bible continues to, to tell the story of Abraham. The, these stories are written for our benefit, so that we can learn from the life of Abraham, so that we can learn what it looks like to be in relationship with God from Abraham's life and experience, and so let me, let me try to tie these two passages and this understanding of righteousness all, all together for us. The Bible makes it clear that being righteous comes from believing in God. That we, we believe not just that God exists, but in believing the promises of God. Believing the promise that God can 
make us who he has created us to be. And, and when, when we say that, when we, when we talk about like believing that God can fulfill God's promise, I think a lot of people come to church and they think, well, that means that God can take us to heaven when we die. And, and we, we get confused sometimes thinking that all we're talking about is, is eternity. But certainly we believe that God is setting the trajectory of our existence eternally. We, we believe that in life, God is pointing us toward eternity with God. That, that is what God wants us to experience in this life, is so that we would, we would transition from this existence into eternity and we would find ourselves just closer to Jesus than, than we were before. But we were always going that direction. But, but what the Lord wants to do in us goes so far beyond just going to heaven when we die. The promises of Scripture are, are for so much more than, than just heaven. The, the promises of Scripture are for life right now. The kids during this week of VBS, they, they were learning about the armor of God. These, these things that God helps us, gives us, helps us to live in this life for the Lord. My favorite piece of the armor of God is the shoes of peace. Isn't that an interesting idea? Think about being barefoot in in your yard, if you lived downtown right now and your yard looks like mine, being barefoot in your yard, it's not very fun. When you put on shoes, you can go outside and you can have peace in your backyard. God gives us the shoes of peace. Uh, God, God promises to fill us with the fruit of the Spirit in, in another passage in the New Testament. Paul writes about the fruit of the Spirit, that we could be people who are filled with love and patience and hope and, and uh, joy. Uh, these are promises of God. We are, we are made righteous when we believe the promises of God when we believe that God could do in us what God has promised, that God could fill us with peace, that God could fill us with love for others, that God could fill us with hope, that God could make us patient. There are some people here who would say it would take a miracle. <laughs> uh, um, it, it's hard to, to believe that God could take me and make me patient. It, this world is just designed to rob us of peace, right? Like, I read the newspaper this morning. The headlines, right? Like, and, and then it's not just that, it's like the divisiveness of our, of our world. And it's like, the craziness, and then it's like the craziness of our own calendars that like rob us of peace. It would take a miracle. <laughs> but Paul tells us Abraham was counted as righteous because even when there was no reason to hope, Abraham hoped. So when you look at your life and you say, there's, there's no reason to hope that God could make me patient, the thing that would make you fully human 
isn't working really hard to become patient. It's believing in the God who wants you to experience patience. The thing that, that will fill you with peace, it's not working really hard to, to root out all of the things that aren't bringing you peace in your life. It's believing in the God who created you to live with peace and wholeness in your heart and letting him do that in your heart. Because God created us to, to be peaceful people, to be loving people, to be, to be hope-filled people, to be joyful. And when we believe in God's power to do that in us, that's the, the first step to experiencing all that God created us to be. So will you let me pray for you as we, as we uh, continue on in this time of worship? Lord, we remember how Jesus got annoyed with his disciples on the boat, not because they woke him up from a nap, but because they, they refused to believe and understand that he was there for their good. Lord, let us remember, help us, God. Help us to know that the way we are going to experience your good in our lives is not by working really hard, not by wringing our hands and fretting over the fact that we aren't peaceful or we aren't patient or we aren't full of love for our neighbors. Lord, help us to stop that and help us to look to you, to remember, God, that you created us to, to be whole, you are at work in us to take the broken pieces of our world and, and make them whole. And our job, Lord, is, is not to, to work really hard to make those things happen. Lord, our job is to trust you to do it. And so, God, we pray that, that you would be at work in our hearts. Lord, I, I believe that this is... This is what you want to do in every person. And so, God, I pray for, for those who, who have tried to understand righteousness as following rules. God, I pray that they would hear this morning that you're not mad at them for breaking rules. That, that your hope for them is, is for freedom and for their good. And that you would be at work in them if they would trust you. I pray, God, that, that you would help us to experience this righteousness, this being who you created us to be, right here and right now. We love you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the First NAS podcast. We look forward to seeing you in person at 1700 8th Street in Lewiston. Come join us.